Are you a musician interested in improving your performance? Welcome to Notes on Jazz. I'm your host, Keith Davis. If you want to learn more about jazz improvisation, harmony, and composition, or just want to improve your piano skills, this is the place for you. We'll be hosting interviews with fellow musicians, offering tips and techniques on study and practice, and lots of other cool stuff. Whatever instrument you play, or if you're a vocalist, you will find something helpful and interesting here. So come hang out with us at Notes on Jazz. Hi, I'm here today with Gary Versace, great pianist, accordionist, and uh, he's been on uh, tons of records with great people. I've personally seen him play with Dave Pietro at Furman University, where I teach. And um, uh, anyway, I'm happy to have Gary here today. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? Good, man. Thank you. Great to yeah. be here. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. We had a little phone conversation last week, a couple weeks ago, I guess. Yep. About this, and uh, I've been looking forward to having Gary on. So. Yeah, great to see you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> so um, I've just been looking into your background a little bit, and I wonder uh -huh. if we could talk sort of about your background, like where you where you got started and how you got started as a musician. Sure. And uh, we'll go from there. Sounds good. Well, you, you want me to just say something about yeah, that? Say something. Yeah, yeah did, sure. Where'd you get started? Where are you from? Um, how did you get started? I'm from Connecticut. Uh, I'm from a little town in Connecticut called Coscob, Connecticut, which is, uh, I guess, technically part of Greenwich, Connecticut. So mm -hmm. south southwest Connecticut, not not that far from New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was lucky. I, I went to high school and was in the area of a whole bunch of people who were my age, but who were real real prodigious uh people and ended up uh having great careers and were uh very advanced for their age great great players who i was able to be influenced by mm -hmm. in the area the the most influential for me was a pianist named kevin hayes oh, sure. who uh is a you know was amazing in high school <laughs> yeah. as as he is now but but right. uh i first heard him play in the band room after school we didn't own a piano when i was a kid but somehow my parents did own a hammond so uh and i i went on to play a lot of hammond organ but um we didn't own a piano and i used to stay after school and try to learn to play the piano a little bit and i we used to listen to kevin play and he was already commuting into new york at that age playing uh playing with some great people um so he was my first major major influence um yeah. amazing musician and i yeah, still follow still follow him now mm -hmm. and all that all that he does uh, but but uh, around my age were uh, Joey Calderazzo, not that far away, um, Kevin, Bill Sharlap, maybe he was a little bit older than us, but he was he was already playing in New York. And then uh, maybe a year younger than us was Brad Meldow, wow. who's yeah. also from Connecticut, not not in the same area, but um, word was already out about uh, that guy. <laughs> so yeah, sure. so yeah, yeah. real, real, a lot of amazing inspiration and. I just kind of thought everybody was that good for a while growing up. Like, wow, listen, to all these guys play piano. It's so incredible. And then I went away to college and realized that they were all very special uh, yeah. musicians. There's a lot of good musicians, but I was lucky to to hear some of those guys play and see them when I was young. So that was and Kevin's been was very helpful. I was since he went to I went to high school with him. He gave me some lessons and we were I was able to uh, learn a lot about records and talk. So it's that, that was really the first big uh push towards jazz my parents didn't really listen to jazz they listened to 
they were of the generation they listened to lawrence welk you know yeah, right. easy listening radio basically my mom knew a lot of old standards and could sing um and she played the organ a little bit in church but um not a lot of jazz there so it wasn't until i met uh kevin that i really heard uh got some recommendations about jazz records yeah nice so that was kind of the beginnings anyway yeah that's amazing to have all those people around. No, it was incredible. I mean, I didn't know the other guys very well. Bill Charlap was very nice. I used to, we didn't own a piano, so I used to stop into one of the local colleges near New York to practice after school. And uh, he, he must have taken mercy on me one day. He <laughs> must have heard me trying to play Autumn Leaves, I remember, when, in the in a practice room. And he came in. He just appeared out of nowhere. There's Bill Charlap, and he came over and he spent 15 or 20 minutes with me, teaching me some chords and playing with me a little bit. And I remind him that if I see him to this day, I remind him that he, uh, Hey, Bill, do you, do you remember? And he said, yeah, the practice room at uh purchase yeah. college, right? Yeah. He, he remembers all that stuff. He was amazingly nice to spend 15 minutes with someone he didn't even know yeah. just helping me learn something. Cause he could tell I was into it. And really nice really sweet so i i, I really appreciate that too so yeah, I, I always great. remind him that when i see him <laughs> that's a great story yeah so any other i mean did you after that did you have any other teachers did you get any kind of formal training or i went to university of connecticut okay. uh as i did my undergraduate degree there i did it in music ed uh and in performance so uh, i had i had a bunch of influential teachers there and people i went to school with classical teacher uh was was very helpful for me and uh the director of the jazz program at the time was a woman named ellen rowe who probably gave me my first formal jazz piano lessons mm -hmm. uh she's the director at the university of michigan now she's been there for she left connecticut mm, i don't know not long after i left and then she's been in michigan for many years she she may be getting ready to retire fairly soon but mm -hmm. she's been the director out there so she was very helpful as well mm -hmm. um yeah, I went to so I went to school and then I went on and did my master's degree at the Eastman School in Rochester and build I was studying with Bill Dobbins at the time. Oh yeah, sure. He was kind of a guru at the time. Yeah. There weren't that many jazz programs, amazingly enough, master's degree jazz programs at the time in in the country. So he Eastman was one of the ones that it was only a degrad degree at the time and uh Bill was this kind of legendary figure who had I remember when they hired him they he had been, uh, got up to the letter G or H or something. He had transcribed all of the classic jazz yeah. piano performances, going through the alphabet, the name, every last name of every famous pianist, all the way up until letter G or H at the point I had gotten there. So, wow. you know, everything from Bill Evans, everything from Chicory, all the classic records, Ahmad Jamal, he had done it all. He was kind of legendary for that. So everybody was thinking, hmm. I want to go talk to this guy and and mm -hmm. pick his pick his brain about what some of these pianists are doing and get some lessons. So I ended up doing that. I went there and then straight out of school, I ended up getting a teaching job yeah. somehow right out of grad school at the University of Oregon. Yeah. So I spent nine years teaching at the University of Oregon um, just long enough to get tenure. And then when I got tenure, I moved to I took a sabbatical and I, I got an apartment in Brooklyn for a year and i hung out there and went out and heard music and visited my friends and wondered hmm, am i ever going to do this new york thing is <laughs> this is a very inspiring place a lot of players i thought what what, what do i do and uh, at first i thought kind of no way i had a nice life in oregon i loved the teaching and i was playing in portland i'd made a lot of good friends there i was working 
five or six nights a week on the local yeah. scene and enjoying it a lot. Sure. And, and then I got involved in New York and I thought, you know, if I don't do this now, I'll probably never do it. So I, after my sabbatical, I went back and I gave my notice and taught another year. Cause that's generally what you do after you take a sabbatical. I taught another year and then I moved to New York and I've been there basically ever since. <laughs> yeah. wow. Wow. So it's been a wild, it's been a little bit of a wild ride. And I think I, that was kind of good for me to do it after, because during the, my teaching time, I was learning by teaching having to collect you know you do the same thing you, sure. you're collecting your thoughts about how to play and and uh and what to work on and all that so and then i was playing in the local scene five or six nights a week so i was getting some experience learning tunes and all that kind of stuff so it was kind of good for me i don't know that i was ready to move to new york really uh when i first finished school so i'm kind of glad i went and had that extra time a little bit of extra time to work on my thing and mm-hmm. and then uh and I still didn't feel ready, but I guess, uh, I guess when it was time, I, then I came to New York, it must've been 30 already, early, early thirties. Yeah. Um, I felt old, but it was, uh, it was, it was the right time for me. I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. sounds like you, you maintain your contacts in Portland. You still have people. I do. Know. I still have some friends. I still have friends there. I, I, I made a lot of good friends when I was just working every night and I was kind of, massive commute I, I my teaching job was in eugene oregon at the university of oregon but i had an apartment in portland because most of the gigs were when most people i knew had met were in portland so i would kind of commute up and down several times a week and it was usually raining and it was a long drive on i-5 <laughs> yeah, right. but i'd teach an eight o'clock arranging class and then i'd have some students in small group and then i drive to portland play a gig crash and then get up at five the next day and drive down to teach 8 a.m the next day so it's kind of uh burning the candle there (laughs) i guess but it was but it was good good experience and i enjoyed the teaching and the playing so yeah sure sure so about how old were you when you moved to new york uh early early 30s yeah and what 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 time when was that about when was that that was uh, around 2000 or so yeah yeah okay yeah yeah, so yeah. you've been there a good while for now. now yeah, now. almost almost twenty five years. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, what did you start doing when you got to New York? I mean, what were your what were your first experiences like? Well, amazingly enough, uh, they were mostly Hammond organ experiences for me because okay. I uh, Portland um, somehow you know there there were very good bass players, but but at the time I was there, there were only a handful. So once, you know, there were, but there were a bunch of keyboard players who played Hammond very well and could play bass for themselves. So Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, this is great. If I can't get, if I can't get a bass player, at least I can play music. If I learn how to, but with, with drummers and such, Mm -hmm. if, if I learn how to walk some bass and, and play, play Hammond. And I never done, I knew a little bit because we had one as a kid, but I hadn't played any jazz on it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'm going to work on this. So I got a little cut down organ. Someone made a little cut down Hammond organ for me. Another guy in town there had one. And and uh, I got one lesson with somebody on how to set it up. And then I just started inviting people over and playing nice. Hammond. And it was great. I, there's so much to learn. It's such a, uh, oh, Art Landy is calling. <laughs> oh, nice. You want to, just talk, want to talk, say hello to him? Yeah. yeah, good. Keith and I were just talking about uh, Art the other day because he's done one of these podcasts and he's yeah. a big influence, I think, on both of us. So yeah, both of us. Absolutely. He's, uh, I, I got to call him back later. Yeah. Um, I'll turn the ringer off. I'm sorry. Um, right. No worries. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I I really fell in love with the Hammond. I, yeah, I awesome. it was something with the vibrato and the the mm -hmm. sustain and the power and the and the walking bass with drums. I all of a sudden I felt like wow, I understand a little more about this marriage between bassists and drummers. This mm -hmm. this this swing and the quarter note mm -hmm. thing and how 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 much a part of the band that is. And and I I don't know something started clicking with me mm -hmm. that that I it meant time and feel and all of that meant much more to me once i discovered the hammond somehow yeah, yeah. got into some of those records and it really really was valuable and i really loved doing it and the walking and, and comping and playing in the rhythm section then also the blowing and the counterpoint aspect of playing the two parts at once and mm -hmm. i thought i loved the whole thing so i so that was primary when i got to new york that was primarily what i did was play was play organ gigs at the there's a lot more now but at the time there weren't quite as many hammond players mm -hmm. and the great larry goldings had just moved to la mm -hmm. so he was kind enough when he when he left to recommend me for a couple of gigs so right. um i kind of got going a little bit and with made some friends and people you know had little sessions and stuff and i had this little portable organ that i bought from samuel hell when i moved there and i would take a little two manual organ and would take it around and joined some guitar player bands playing organ trio. And that was really primarily what I did. I would say for the first 10 years, at least was mostly playing organ. Um, I didn't play a lot of piano on gigs here and there, but it seemed like the organ, since it was portable, you know, the portable ones anyway, yeah, other yeah. places had Hammonds and seemed like the thing to do for the time. And I was working a lot and it was fun to play new music on the Hammond and not, yeah, you know, people who were writing different kinds of things were wanted to use organs. So it was a little bit different. Some of it was different than the Jimmy Smith tradition, which I loved, but it was fun to try to play some new music on the organ. And I found mm -hmm. a little niche there for myself yeah. for a while. And now it seems like I'm mostly playing piano. Um, Accordion was there on on gigs here and there, either ensemble gigs or recording sessions. Someone wanted an accordion. I played accordion as a kid, so mm -hmm. I just knew how to do it. So people okay. would say, oh, it'd be great to have accordion on this record. I'd say, well, I play, you know, if you need it, I actually mm -hmm. could play. So I had some little bit of work on the accordion, but now it seems like it's kind of turned around. Most of it seems to be piano stuff these days. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot more organ players, so I think there's more more options for people and i'm really enjoying playing the piano and and getting kind of trying to get deep into that these days so um i'm a little bit of a jack of all trades master of none kind of guy but <laughs> i've been i've enjoyed the what i've learned from working on each thing and it's it's always felt like just gig to gig to me like i i turn around and it's 20 years later and i I, I'm still trying to learn the music and get better, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel so it's <laughs> really that, been that way for years. And it's just, yeah. and, you know, I have a gig tomorrow and I'm just looking at the music today yeah, yeah. and thinking, boy, and checking out the guy's record and working mm -hmm. on the parts and figuring out what I want to bring to it and ch challenging stuff. And it's, yeah. it's kind of never ended, you know? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I remember when you came with Dave Pietro. Dave's music was it sounded really challenging to me. I mean, yeah, he writes some of, challenging stuff. Yeah, a lot of odd meter things and yeah, yeah, complex and I complex talked writing. About it a little bit, you said, yeah, this is challenging. I remember yeah, talking after the gig, and, I spent some time on it, you know, and yeah. you know, and then you realize you realize how challenging everything is, you know. Yeah. Then you go back to playing tunes with people or 
playing four four trying to walk and have it swing with a drummer you know yeah. wow this the deeper you get in the, the more you get into the subtleties and and mm, you realize sure. you know it's every everything is 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 deep and complicated if right, you exactly. <laughs> if you want to be try to be good at it so right sure sure <laughs> So um, a couple, I want to ask you about the accordion, but the, yeah, the yeah. organ thing, you said it's cut down. Does that mean, I mean, do you play bass, you kick bass pedals or? Yeah, yeah. So have... by the cut, the cut down thing basically means for, for, for people who aren't deep in the organ world, it's, it's basically taking the wood of a standard hand, Hammond organ and they use a model that's the same guts as the B3, but not the exact Hammond B3 because they like to maintain those that okay. there's they don't make them anymore. So they're kind of collector's items. But gotcha. but uh, they take the wood and they cut it all away hmm. and they put the guts of the organ inside a, an anvil case that they built. They build a case around it hmm. and then they put fold up legs onto it okay. like patio legs that that yeah, will yeah. support it so it's still very heavy the the yeah. guts are just as heavy as it was with the wood on it but it folds up and you can and it has handles on the side and it cut case that you can close like an anvil case and you could put it in the back of your car you oh, know well. i mean you need a wagon and everything very heavy you need a hand truck to move it and two people at least right. to, to carry it but yeah. but it folds up so i used to have and they get and then the guy makes a pedal board for it and the pedal board cooks in with this series of cables it's very inventive they the people yeah. did this so they chop it all up and they make it portable so i used to put the hammond in the car and a leslie the speaker for it alongside it and a pedal board and a hand truck in my subaru and close <laughs> the whole thing up and drive to gigs well wow. you know and this was wow. before the advent of the real better sounding digital stuff which they make now now wow. now there's at least five companies that make good sounding hammond digital organ i mean digital hammond clones mm -hmm. so and amplifiers mm -hmm. or little fake leslie speakers but at the time, if you really wanted to have it sound good, that that was what you needed. You either needed to haul a real one around or you needed to get a cut down. So I bought the cut down because I was never going to have a van and yeah, <laughs> haul right. it around yeah. myself. So I had this little cut down and I could I put it in my apartment to practice and then I could fold it up and put it in the car and, and take it to gigs if I really needed a the real thing, you know, right, right. So that's what that's what that was. And mm. it was great. It was. Yeah, you could you in the. You learn to you can learn to do the the, the you got you got everything there you got the pedals you got the keyboard you got the Leslie you're all, you're all mm -hmm. set yeah yeah cool that's great yeah Larry Goldings was down here you mentioned Larry he was at Furman earlier this year oh good got to good. with Bill Stewart and Peter Burns that trio yeah God, it's man. one of the great trios man unbelievable man no he's he's an incredible musician Larry really Goldings is. really he's one really of the good. on every I mean he doesn't get enough credit the being the piano player that he is either yeah, but he sure, sure. he can really play I mean he's yeah, yeah. And he, ever since I first heard him with Jim Hall, mm -hmm. he was playing with Jim Hall and Steve mm -hmm. Laspina in a trio that made a couple records many years. I can't remember. There was one called Subsequently and another mm -hmm. one. I can't remember the name. It had the far side drawing on the front of Gary mm -hmm. Larson drawing on the front of the of record. Great records and him yeah, playing yeah. piano, piano, bass and uh, guitar with Jim. Yeah. And it's kind of fantastic. And that that had to be when he couldn't have been much more than 20 something, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the name. I have one with it's a trio with Paul Motion on drums. I can't remember who the bass player. Oh, and Grenadier probably. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's Larry Grenadier. Yeah, yeah, Awareness Amazing. that record. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Amazing record. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful yeah, piano yeah. playing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm hoping to get him on here and all three of them. Actually, Peter's going to come on later this month, I think. And do oh, great! Oh, so. well, they're some of my heroes. Yeah, they sound guys. great. Man. Wow, they just sounded great. Man. So you play the accordion too, which I think is really interesting, and it sounds beautiful, man. I've got this Kate McGarry record that we talked about. Oh yeah, the, the What to Wear in the Dark, which you're yeah, playing the yeah. accordion on, and 
Yeah. And, uh, and I got the other one, the trio that you mentioned with her and her husband, Keith. And, I, uh, that was the one I couldn't remember the name yeah, of, it's right? Called, um, oh, God, Subject Tonight it. is Love or something? Yeah, Subject is Tonight that is Love. That's yeah, it. that's it. Yeah, I yeah. haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. And by the way, I have your quartet, the quartet album with uh, that you're playing organ on with uh, Donnie McCaslin's on tenor. And, oh, yeah, that was an old, I'm that's an older one. Yeah, yeah. Hearing that one, yeah. And yeah. A trio album of yours, too, that I haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but. And I heard you play the, you were playing an accordion with the Gil Evans thing, right? You played accordion, weren't you in that? Um, not, I don't think I played accordion with that. That was probably piano. It was, but, but I, I saw, you know. Frank was playing piano on it. So I thought you were playing accordion on that. Oh, Maybe. probably not on that. But yeah. I mean, of course I did for years with Maria. Yeah, but, with Maria. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, sounds uh, great. So how yeah. did you, I mean, you said you played that as a kid. You just I played just... that as a kid and that that's just because I wanted to play the piano we had the hand we didn't have one but we had mm -hmm. a hammond at home and yeah. i kept asking if we could get a piano and then one day my dad who was italian came home and he had an accordion well and he gave it to me and he said here this is even better than a piano you can take it with you <laughs> <laughs> it's portable so i thought okay whatever so i i actually learned to play it and, and at that time in in connecticut there were all these guys who were playing weddings yeah. And uh, like local musicians playing weddings and playing parties and whatever, mostly Italian, mm -hmm. mostly Italian community. And he came over to my, the, my we found one and, and uh, my parents found him somehow. He came over to my house once a week and gave me an accordion lesson. Wow. So I sat there and we just he he just basically eventually once he taught me the basics of the instrument, he basically brought a fake book. And he he knew he'd teach me what he did on gigs, which was just play. He wasn't a jazz player, uh -huh. but he would play the melodies of all these old tunes. Uh -huh. So, you know, you'd have uh, My Blue Heaven or Stardust yeah, yeah. or these old songs, Blue Moon. And so I was learning un unknowingly. I was learning a bunch of standards, yeah, yeah, sure. but very basic chord changes from the from a basic fake book and learning the melodies and playing them several times and learning what the chords were um which would all apply later to to jazz mm -hmm. but i at the time i was you know very young and i i didn't really know anything about jazz but i was learning the melodies and and learning some classic accordion you know yeah. lady of spain <laughs> accordion yeah, yeah, yeah. repertoire which was fun yeah. but yeah i played it as a kid for years and then and then i kind of stopped when i went to college because i was trying to learn to play the piano right. um and then, it, like I said, it didn't come into my life again until later recording sessions or someone would mention, man, I think the accordion would be great on this. Too bad we don't have one. And I'd say, well, if you can get me one, I, I'd sold my accordion when I moved to college. But this, if I said, if you can get me one, I can play it. I mean, enough to get yeah. through a recording session. So yeah. kind of came back into my life, yeah. you know, oddly enough, later on. Yeah. yeah, man, I've never played that, but I'd like to try. I've actually, I, I think it's interesting and it sounds great that when you play it, like you're on some of these records, like in Kate McGarry record, you play it some, and of course you yeah. played in Maria's band, which just yeah. sounded, or you did before, you know, before yeah. left us, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's beautiful, really. Uh, oh, it's a beautiful instrument. It has yeah. such a, you know, the way Maria wrote for it too, still writes for it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, using it either as, she, she always, she told me that she always imagined, you know, she, she, now she has some records featuring strings, but, but uh, she always imagined that the, the, the accordion was going to give her some of the high sustain that she wasn't getting in a big band. She's looking for, uh, you know, strings and high sustain something. And she said, there's nothing quite like, so the accordion in a way, 
she uses it partially in that in that way some high sustained chords things that kind of resemble to her they resemble the beauty of strings or sometimes you're doubling uh, lines from the saxophone section or some trombone chords can be doubled you know and depending on the sounds you pick you've got really really high stuff or or low really low kind of thick things so gives her a lot of options texturally and another comping instrument if she wants it so it's it's it works out that's that's a really fun gig too because she's also really open to exploring texture and sound and she would always make a little solo space on at least one two in a set for it so it's kind of become a something that's unique about her big band in a way it's another Mm -hmm. sound that i think some big bands feature the voice a lot you know Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Kenny Wheeler, I remember, always had a had a Norma Winstone or a vocalist along mm-hmm. with him. But she now always has that little extra sound. She's got a guitar with effects. She's got piano and she's got accordion, which yeah. which all makes her thing a little bit unique. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, I'm going to have to try that, actually. I'm curious. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you'll love it, man. It's super yeah. fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, and most <clears throat> of the time in those bands, they're not requiring a lot of agile left hand you know, mm-hmm. button button work if you play the standard piano accordion. I I know enough to you know I grew up playing tunes like I said uh, you know a kind of wedding for wedding bandish you know playing standards at at parties. So I know enough to do the basic polka and left hand left hand chordal stuff mm-hmm. uh, on the instrument. I'm not I'm not in any way a prodigy uh, uh, or a uh, experienced. Uh, very experienced with playing cr- chromatically on the left mm-hmm. side or doing gotcha. advanced chordal patterns. I, I never got seriously into that. Although the guy who now is playing accordion with Maria, he's a trained, you know, classical accordion. He's incredible. Wow. And he, and he plays the button accordion too. So it's just, I mean, he's phenomenal. The, the, wow. the ability he has with both hands and to, to do all these amazing textures really is kind of an upgrade for her <laughs> she's she's <laughs> she's got somebody now who really gets it and she can write all this amazing stuff and he i'm sure she'll take advantage of it so his name is julian lebro and you can look for him he's playing a lot of concerts with string quartets and um touring around playing classical music on the accordion and he's and and he's a jazz player he understands chord changes and he's oh, cool. he, he can solo so he's he's a really unique guy he's he, yeah. Excellent, excellent musician. That's cool. Yeah, I have to check that out too. Yeah, you'll like it. You, recently, I got a. I have an, a harmonium that I bought from India. Oh, cool! Custom made, and it's it's a twenty-two shrudies. They call it. It's got these drawbars uh-huh. that adjust the, the yeah. tones in between the notes. Wow! And wow! I'm taking lessons from a guy. I'm learning actually learning rogs and learning how to play it on this harmonium. And wow, it's really cool. It's really that must be amazing. Though. I, I know. Uh, do, do you know if Frank knew? I mean, I know he played it on a couple records, but did he know think, about it? Or I don't think he knew. I don't think he really knew Indian music. I'm not sure. I, I, I ask, don't think I'll so. ask my friend Ron, who was close friends with Frank. But uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. he really was into that so much. But yeah, yeah, it's really I think he played it a little bit on a, a Jay Anderson record. The yeah, bass player, Jay, I think maybe he played it a little bit on one of Jay's records. I can't yeah. remember. I don't know where they got the instrument, but yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure Frank sounded great on it. <laughs> I'm sure he did too. Yeah. yeah, he was amazing. Well, you were close friends with Frank. You know Frank for a long time. So. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about Frank Kimbrough. If we yeah. didn't say his last name before, yeah, exactly. the pianist for many years with uh, good friends with Keith, and uh, played many years with Maria Schneider. And uh, we toured while I was playing accordion with her. We well, we had a good 15 years of touring together. So he's he was a good friend. Yeah, we yeah. miss him. 
So, well, tell me what you're doing now. What's going on now? What are your What are your projects now that you're involved? In? Yeah, I'm mostly um, mostly a side man. <laughs> I mostly like being involved in people's projects. Uh, I enjoy trying to interpret music and hear what people are writing. I like all kinds, you know, new music and and mm -hmm. standards and everything in between. So, yeah. I just like I'm lucky. Um, Luckily, the phone still rings, so I'm <laughs> happy to play and play in the people's bands who want to have me and and learn their music and delve into it and and uh, you know it's and and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm still just enjoying doing that mostly and and touring a little less these days uh, since the pandemic, I find, mm -hmm. um, but playing a lot in town in New York and recording sessions and once in a while running around uh but not quite as much on the road um and that's all kind of okay you know i'm yeah, I'm sure. enjoying this little period where i'm home more yeah um and i do a teach i also teach at the eastman school now so i go up to rochester and and work with some students some small groups and some piano students so that's part of my life too yeah um yeah and then i guess i still maintain uh in terms of gigs, I maintain uh, the Maria Schneider connection, which has yeah, been absolutely. hugely important and influential for me. She has yeah. been the whole band, everybody in that band, really. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, playing for Frank is an honor and uh, yeah. kind of, you know, I was telling you in conversation of the day, right. difficult right. at first because I hear him in my head and I, I feel his presence, but right. trying to find my own way with it as well. So it's yeah. been that continues to be a journey. And then several of the people in that band use me for their bands. So I made a bunch of uh, quartet records with Rich Perry, the tenor player yeah, yeah. with Jay Anderson and John Riley playing drums. We have maybe three or four, another one just came out uh, all of them a month steeplechase. Uh, we made about three or four records. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, a bunch of the guys from that band. So uh, Dave Pietro, who we came down mm -hmm. to your school, the alto right. player, you know, we, we, we've made several records together now. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Rodriguez, trumpet player from yeah. that band. Um, great trumpet player, good yeah. friend. He, we, we made one record and continue to do gigs here and there um which are fun he's in san francisco jazz collective now and he's running around he has a band with his brother robert who's a great pianist so he's got a lot in in on his plate right now so his band works a little less but um that's been fun so yeah a lot of a lot of opportunities with so scott robinson i play with a bunch the barry oh, player yeah. from that band so yeah, he's great too, man. we all do some stuff and they're all great <laughs> tomorrow i'm playing a quartet gig with marshall jilks the great trombone player from that band too so mm -hmm. yeah the the maria guys are continue to be uh continue to be big in my life and then uh yeah whatever else whatever else comes my way <laughs> yeah sure sure so um tell me um, you mentioned just to mention a bunch of things here but when you like if someone asks you, well, I'm going to ask you, yeah, what sure. recordings of yours do you like the most? Like what would oh, you gosh. say, hey, if you want to hear me listen to this one, you know, gosh, your you own know, or, or recordings that you're on with somebody else, what, what do you like the most? You know, one of my one of my projects coming up is going to be to go through a, a bunch of these records and and really you know, I have, I have difficulties listening to myself, you yeah, know, don't, yeah, no, I, tell me about I, do, I do it all the time. I, I do. You know, I, I regularly record myself now at gigs and in practice yeah. as I'm working on things to try to see, you know, is mm -hmm. is is what's working, what's working yeah, sure, and what's not sure. working. And it continues to be kind of a painful process. Yeah. I remember once years ago we were playing, we were on Maria's gig. 
I was sitting next to Ben Monder, the great guitarist. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I had just, I, I had just gotten, somebody sent me their record that I played on and I had just gotten it in the mail that afternoon and I opened it up and I listened to about half of one tune and I couldn't make it because I, band sounded great. And I thought I was terrible. I, I couldn't listen to myself. I thought it was terrible. Yeah. So I, I went to the gig and I was probably looking bummed out and I sat down and he, and Ben says to me, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I, I got a record today. I played on somebody's record and, uh, you know, I feel bad because I think I, I, I sucked, you know, I didn't sound very good. And he said, why on earth would you listen to, why did you do that? <laughs> As implying that, you know, it's, 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 there's no, of course it's going to be bad. You're going to hate yourself. Why, why would you ever do it? Right. So it's, you know, oddly enough, it's gotten better. I mean, I, I can, I'm doing better than ever at, at listening to things and feeling like, okay, there's something there, you know, there's, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't horrendous. Yeah. Um, but if I, it's still very hard for me to pick because I'm, I'm things are constantly changing. And I, sure, I, sure. what I was working in at the time for the record I was preparing for is now, is now something that I either have modified or, or don't really hearing it the way I was hearing it then, or my sound yeah. or technique, anything, it all, it all changed, you know, it all changes yeah, sure, so sure. fast, you know, sure, sure. as you're checking out new things. So <laughs> I, you know, at the time, these last two piano trio records I made for steeplechase, mm -hmm. there are things on them that are, that are okay. You know, I think one, one was both had Jay Anderson on bass and one had, um, one had uh, Obed Calver on drums and one has Rudy Royston on drums. The yeah. first one was called uh, All for Now. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next, the last one just came out a year or two ago was called Time Frame. That's with Rudy I, Royce. I, yeah, I have that one. I, haven't listened to, I just got it the other day. I haven't listened to yeah. it. Yet, and yeah, there, there, you know, there's some things on them. You know, I, I listen back and I think, oh, I'm forcing or, oh, my sound is too tight or, yeah. oh, I was trying to be too, you know venture a little too far with the harmony on that one i didn't quite make it you know but but ultimately i listen back and i think you know for i'm i'm getting better at least i think yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> i can right, right, right. i can i can i can appreciate that and then there are cuts on various people's records where i hear it and go man that actually that actually sounds pretty good and i yeah. i wish i could remember what i but that the, but this is why i'm gonna go back and uh i'm gonna go through track by track what someday i'm going to take all these especially from I, I would say anything previous to 10 years ago i i, I probably would really hate myself but but in the last <laughs> 10 years at least yeah. uh, i'm i'm closer yeah closer to getting to something that i that i feel good about or maybe i should make it narrower than that maybe five years i don't know yeah. anyway i i'm gonna go through because i know there's some things and i would love to be able to have a collection of things that i said Man, I'm really proud of that, yeah, you know. Sure. And I'm proud of every one of the people who hired me. By the way, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I, I'll never see it in a way that I can appreciate what I did. But I, uh, you know, the music that they made yeah. and the music that they wrote for the gigs I played on was all. I was always honored to be there. You know, it was yeah, always sure. taught me something, and it was always fabulous. Even if I didn't love my own contribution, yeah, yeah, I, sure. I loved their records for them. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I feel bad saying it. You know, oh, I couldn't listen to these records, but the records are good. It's just, it's I, I can't appreciate myself very well. I understand well. how it is. I just had a concert last week with my band, and you know, we don't get to play often enough. There just aren't enough venues, honestly, around here. But of course, but we did a quartet gig, and we had a vocalist, and we did. I mean, all the music was original. My original music except for the beautiful tunes you know 
fact, yeah. we did a tune of Arts, uh, Drink a Glass of Love. Beautiful. Oh, great. Uh, tune with nice, beautiful lyrics. And that was great. Great. But we did all this music of mine, you know, and when I listened to what happens, I noticed what happens is I listen to the whole thing. And the first time I listen to it, I just want to go jump off a bridge or something. Oh, yeah. Know? But the oh, second yeah. time I go, OK, well, that wasn't quite so bad as I thought the first time, you know. Right, right. But but still, it's painful to listen to yourself, you know. And I, I try, you know, they always say or my friends always say, uh, um, you know, especially during a recording session, like the recording session for those trio records or anybody's record date. They'll say, you know, don't listen right away. Yeah, you're you're too you're too involved in it you're right too now. Close to it, right? You're too yeah, close right. to it. You're you're gonna hate it. You know everything that went wrong on the date. You're gonna remember it all, right? So forget it, and listen later. Right. And you know it's hilarious because I usually make it about a day, you know, <laughs> and then and then I have to listen to it just to see. And I go yeah. through a, a series of, I can kind of predict my reactions now. Right. The first reaction for me these days is I'm gonna I'm gonna think wow, it's a lot better than I thought. Like I really thought I didn't do well and it sounds pretty (laughs) good. Like this is pretty nice. But then the more I listen, the more I'm going to hear all the little things I don't like. And then I'll come back down again. (laughs) So that's, that's my, that's my neurotic, you know, path with, with records at this point. But you got to listen when you're in the studio, you got to listen back to it and see if, you know, I mean, you got to listen to it and go, I mean, that's good. You know, I prefer, I prefer, I prefer to do that, but, but with these records, like this, this label, I've done these past few records and and I've played a lot as a sideman steeplechase, the Danis record label. Yeah. I mean, it's a very short day, you know, oh, gotcha. it's, it's one day you, there's usually no rehearsal uh-huh. and you go in and you just play and you don't, you know, and he's there, the producer of the, of the label is there and he's kind yeah. of moving things along gotcha. as best as right. possible to keep you going. And, gotcha. and I, I just, you know, I, a lot of times we, we don't listen until the thing is, is done in yeah. a way, well, you know, it just, yeah. it, and, and you go, but you go and check sounds after the first tune. And then after yeah. that. And I mean, for my records now, what I've learned for myself, I I might be a first, I might get some good first takes just yeah. for the energy and the fun of it. And like, right. wow, that turned out to be the best. A lot of musicians say that's, oh, the energy's in the first. Right. But for me, I find I'm, a, I'm kind of a second take guy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because after I've had a chance to suss out the music, then I feel like yeah. I, I get to something. I, mm-hmm. I don't. Larry Goldings is one of those guys. I think he gets there the first time every time. I think yeah. he's he's magical at creating parts yeah. and coming up with things, and he plays beautifully on the first. It feels like yeah. to me. I mean, I have no yeah. idea on his records how many are first yeah. takes, but watching him, it seems like wow, he's just yeah. He's I mean, the records I hear him on how amazing, and I think God, I can't quite do. I've never quite yeah. been able to know exactly what to do on, especially on someone else's record until yeah, right. until we've been through it once. And and then I'm like, Oh, I think this would be better if I played some sustained chords here, or it would be better if I just, you know, played some weird stuff. That's good. That's what's going to help at the most right now. Yeah. But in the first time, I don't, I don't think I have that, that, that yeah, ability. I, and I, I and then the mean. funny thing is I feel like maybe that's the difference with these real amazing people Mm-hmm. that they have a real-time perception mm-hmm. of what's going on. I can't help but think that, you know, some, I mean, I was lucky enough to work sub for Larry for a little while with John Schofield. And, and, you know, I felt like he had that ability. He, yeah. he knew everything that was happening as it was happening. He knew, mm-hmm. he knew what he wanted. He knew what everybody was doing. He understood, Yeah, you know, I feel like there's people, those, those kind of heavies, they, 
they get it and they get it fast. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it could be great, but I, but it could not be great. <laughs> so I, I need the listening. I love, so now I always do at least two takes Yeah. and I always go in and listen at some point, just, just to make sure that I'm not way off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's, but that's, these are all my own, you know, as you can tell, you know, and I'm sure, yeah. uh, you know, all, all of us have, have a certain amount. I, I certainly have a lot of insecurity and a lot of, uh, head head trips going on as i'm trying to make music and i've gotten better over the years but i still still wonder as i'm doing yeah, things so sure of course i don't think anybody i don't, I don't know i don't think i'll ever get over that <laughs> yeah it would be yeah. nice too but i don't think it's gonna happen you know? yeah luckily <laughs> in the moment i i have a lot of fun i mean yeah, i yeah, love absolutely i love yeah. the music making process and i'm not usually freaked out or that nervous when i'm making music but right. i'll i'll definitely uh put my judgmental hat on later you know? yeah it's the recording thing i think it gets it, yeah. It, yeah you know i've got a I, I told somebody this recently on a, one of these interviews i have a tub of cassette tapes that go back to the 80s that i oh wow gigs, and a friend of mine is digitizing some of them you know oh great you know? and i've listened back i haven't listened back to it in detail but sometimes i'll listen and i'll go like who's that you know right and then oh that's me wow that's not bad actually right 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 isn't that fun it's not how i play now but it's you know it's you know it's not bad i was like wow that's not bad you know yeah yeah it's interesting you know yeah absolutely i've had (laughs) a lot talk about this frank i talked to frank about this once he said he goes back and listens he said go back and listen to it a hundred times you know like just listen to it over and over and really see what you're doing like really dig into listen what you're doing and you know wow wow so i mean that seems like a I'm not uh, exaggerating, not a hundred times right, so right, exaggerating, right. but still right. listen to it a bunch of times and really get a feel for what you're doing and what, you know, how it could be different, or I guess is what he's getting at, you know? Yeah. I, I have one, I'll tell you one funny story about Frank. I, that, that relates to recording. I mean, Frank, Frank didn't really practice as you yeah, probably sure. know. I mean, he was, he yeah. was a very natural musician and he just sure. played what he thought and, and he was beautiful, but but uh, it was right before one of Maria's recording dates where I was playing piano and I can't remember even what tune. It was a tune that had a long extended section in the middle with kind of Frank doing this little written out chorale. And then I was playing like bird sounds or something over it. It was one of the bird, one of her bird pieces. And uh, I'll think of the name. But anyway, we we were getting ready for the record date and we had a gig at the Jazz Standard, her annual thanksgiving gig at the yeah, time yeah, she in new york she played the week at the jazz standard sure. and we were at the gig and we we're going to play that tune and i remember saying to him oh man i still haven't gotten the score to this i want to talk to her about what what the horns are doing because it doesn't seem like the chord symbols in my part really accurately represent what i'm hearing the horns do so i go to blow over it and i'm hearing them and i'm looking at the part and i'm kind of kind of getting confused I, I don't i don't think i don't think they're right or i uh-huh. i don't really think that it represents everything they're doing so i'd love to know what they're doing before more specifically if i'm not hearing it before the record yeah and he goes really and i said well yeah <laughs> i i kind of i think i want to know and he goes oh man just play you don't need to know you don't you know who cares it doesn't matter just play just play you're gonna be great yeah. it's gonna be great just go play yeah. And that's what I did. And I'll always regret it. <laughs> I think, I think he, he maybe could have done that, but for me, I, I just, I hear some notes on that record, you know, and of course she picked the take that, you yeah, know, of course, man. She, she's going to fall in love with what she falls in love with. She's an amazing musician and I trust her, uh, yeah. you know, wholeheartedly. 
But I, I hear the wrong, what to me sound like wrong notes on that take because I was missing some of what the band was doing. And I, I, I always wanted another shot. Like, ah, oh, man, I should have <laughs> written, I should have written some more specific changes for myself. So I'd be happier with this, but yeah. you know what? Sometimes people like that are right. You know, yeah, and yeah, they, right. they ask you to do something. And even right. if you're not comfortable, yeah. they're aware of some greater musical goal that they're after that has more to do with than whether or not you, you know, accurately represented a chord change for every bar, you know, there's, there's right. more to music. And I, yeah. and that was a good, maybe, maybe a good lesson, but I always think to myself, ah, Frank, you know, ah, he's, <laughs> he had, to, he had to tell me, oh, you're going to be great. Don't worry about it. And then I didn't worry about it. And then I have to live with it. You know, <laughs> you can always blame him though. You know? We can, I can blame, yeah, I can blame, blame Frank. Frank. Yeah. And I, and I blame him for, but I, but I also <laughs> thank him for the learning, you know, because, yeah, sure. you know, I, I should be able to do that. I, I think that's, yeah just play i mean what whatever man you know just yeah. play and you'll find something and you'll really be listening and maybe that's better than delving into specifically about everything you ever do i mean john hollenbeck used to say that to me too he's the drummer on his big band pieces and the he just say just play free over the front just play the horns are going to play just play whatever you want and i'd say well what do you mean just play whatever i want i yeah, I, yeah. I like to kind of know i like to hear and if i don't hear it i'd like to check it out He's like, no, that's going to ruin it. If you check it out, yeah. then you're going to relate to them. And I don't yeah. want you relate to them. I want you uh -huh, to play something yeah. different. And I, I understood what he meant by that. Yeah, and, and it turned out much better when I didn't listen to them. Right, right. But that was, all, again, these are all like just end up being not only uh, record dates, but but more importantly, maybe learning experiences. Yeah, right. I can remember from each one of these projects what it was that I learned about music on that mm -hmm. project. And I and I and whether I like my playing on it or not, I I heard somebody recently say, I can't remember who it was. We were talking about music and we were relating it to mindfulness mm -hmm. and and right. uh, um, maybe some 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 Buddhist uh, practices and and right. beliefs, philosophical beliefs. And they were saying that they looked at everything. They they felt a lot less anxious about things when they realized that uh, they looked at everything as just being a rehearsal yeah. so if you're planning for all this big concert and you're worried a recording session you're worried and you're trying to make it be the best that you can be that ultimately speaking when it arrives it's only going to be a rehearsal for the next big thing that you yeah. do you, right. and you will have learned something and it will be what it is but it but ultimately we're just we're just accumulating and each one is practiced for the next thing so right. you shouldn't really sweat it too much yeah, just yeah. it's it. all a process there's no it's all a process exactly there yeah. there isn't going to be no destination and right. each one is a part of the process and yeah. i think uh i do enjoy the process i have yeah, to say yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you know and if i can detach a little from the what i think is the quality of of the result of each thing i realize that over time it's fun. It's it's just I would couldn't imagine doing anything else with my time that would yeah. be more fun right. than sure. learning all this music. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. This is great and really good. So you know, I have, well, you're I getting get... insight into my neurotic. No, it's, <laughs> this is no, it's, it's music for neurotics here. You yeah, know? <laughs> trust me, I'm right there with you. you know? <laughs> One of my teachers says, I remember um, I have a friend that's a mutual friend that's in this thing, and she. She said uh, she talked to, to Bob about um, being nervous before gigs, you know, and he said, well, don't think of it as being nervous. Think of it as being excited. And I thought, wow, what a simple, mm. great way of looking at right, you know, turning right. it around a little bit, you know? Yeah. 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 Because so all, all of that emotion, you know? I mean, how, yeah, how you, yeah. 
I've been thinking about that lately, just in terms of emotion, all the things we all feel, you know, how you, how you interpret that, you know, it's, it's energy. Yeah. Right. So you, right, you sure. could, you could interpret the, that energy as anxiety, or you could turn it into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefulness or, right. or excited, excited, whatever, whatever. Right. And how you, how you want to label it is maybe, right. maybe influential to how things mm-hmm. turn out or how you feel absolutely. it's interesting yeah. ideas yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's all your perspective, how you, the pers- yeah, i'm not nervous i'm excited yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're yeah perspective change yeah, perspective yeah. can honestly change everything i think absolutely. yeah, yeah. I'm, that's absolutely. a lesson i'm still trying to remember yeah i think that's it that's that's the thing about this so-called spiritual journey it's all about how you see things you know it's all 100 percent. you know i mean that's 100 percent. Right? Yeah, yeah that's it that's it yeah. that's all it is you know, you know? yeah yeah art art calling here you know that's yeah. that's man that's, no one's no one knows more about that than him i mean yeah, absolutely he's yeah. try to he's he's been a huge mentor for me just yeah. picking his brain about all this stuff yeah i'm gonna call him today too i've been meaning to call yeah him. man he's, yeah he's just great since i've reconnected with him and i'm i haven't well i did spend a day with him about a few months ago he was here i think i told you this on that phone conversation he was here in Asheville, close by where i live oh great and i got to spend a whole day with him you know yeah, and, uh, we just sat at the piano for two hours and he showed me his music and had me play for him. And he played for me and showed me what he was doing in his music and wow. sent me home with a stack of his music to look at, you know. Wow. And uh, it was just really. And then I went to a gig that he played and he played a gig. Yeah. I out and listened to him play. And it was just beautiful, man. I'm going to see him. I'm going to Colorado on Monday. Oh, man. Uh, beautiful. With uh, I made this played on an organ record with uh, this guitarist named Joel Harrison. Um, and uh, the band was Greg Tardy playing tenor, and Jack DeJanet played drums oh, yeah. on this wow. record. So I got Beautiful, to play a little man. with Jack, but the uh, Jack's not doing the tour, of course. So, yeah. um, EJ Strickland, great drummer, is going to do it. But we're, our first stop is on Monday, and we're going to um, to Greeley, uh, oh, in yeah. uh, northern Colorado. Yeah. So I think art's going to come. I mean, wow. I, th- I was amazed, but he's, he's actually going to come out. And then, unfortunately, we're he's playing in Denver on Tuesday night, and we're playing in a in I think maybe we're in Boulder that night. So I'm going to try to grab some time with him if I possibly yeah, yeah. can somewhere. If he comes to this gig, maybe maybe we can go to dinner or maybe I'll see him afterwards. Yeah. Um, but he sounded good on the phone, so I'm really looking yeah, forward yeah. To, to seeing him saying hi. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, please give him my best when you see I him. I will. I'll say hi. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to call him. Though. I'm going to call him. Try to yeah, call yeah. Him yeah. You mentioned Greg Tardy. I interviewed Greg Tardy for this podcast, too. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, it's great. so great. We yeah. We played a little bit years ago in new york when i first moved to town maybe on a record or session or two and then i hadn't seen him for a long time i think i saw him on the road maybe he was playing with the lincoln center band i i don't know who i was playing with somewhere maybe monterey or something like that mm-hmm. and it's been years and then we then we just both played on this guitar player's record cool. recently and there's one this little one week tour next week so i'll get to spend some time with him but he's a beautiful guy man yeah, he plays he really great is, man. He's been playing with Bill Frizzell lately, I think. He's in Yeah, the... I just talked to him a couple weeks ago. In fact, he hooked me up with Jonathan Blake. I just interviewed Jonathan last great. week. Great. So, yeah, great. Jonathan's a great guy, too, man. What a great guy. So, what a sweetheart Jonathan yeah, is. I yeah. Mean... He's in that Pietro band, too. We've Oh, yeah. We've had some nice times with Jonathan. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Rudy Royston when you guys came. Rudy came on that. Yeah, yeah. The records, the, I think the records were Jonathan, but Rudy's played with us, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. 
Yeah. Well, man, this has been a great conversation. And uh, oh, thank I, you. Yeah, I, I want to ask you one more thing, as sure. at least. Yeah, anything more you want to say, of course. But uh, no, no, uh, I, please, I know you're free. a you're a teacher, like I am, and yes, um, and I like to address some of that when I interview people. If you have anything to say about, the, especially young, I teach a lot of students that are like middle school, high school kids that go to the yeah. Arts Center here, and I yeah. teach at a university. I'm just an adjunct at university, but I. So yeah, I know you teach a lot, and I wonder what yeah. what insights you might have into teaching people about this music. Whew, I know wow, that's a big subject, but yeah, uh, I mean, I yeah, there's so I mean, I really, uh, I take it seriously, and I I um, you know, I I feel like it's just like playing. I I feel like some days I do a great job, yeah. Yeah. and I some days I really don't. You know, yeah, sure. I some days I just am struggling to find the right way to say something that's going to help someone figure something out or try to put into words something about sound something about learning that's going to click with someone right. and it's a it's a process man it's sure, it's yeah. i i really i really try to take time and and uh figure it out and it's you know it, it's it's an amazing thing i mean i i end up feeling like each student it depends on the level sure, but course, each man. each student is I, I try to have a certain goals um i like to help each student arrive at whatever it is they'd like to be especially as they get older yeah. what is it that they're interested in so i sure. i tend to try to meet the 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 college students halfway i i i want them to be able to bring in and articulate to me what it is they're checking out what it is that's interesting about it and how they're working on it mm -hmm. and then try try to give them advice if i can if i know about it towards towards getting better at what it is they're interested in yeah. but then at the same time connecting with the past and connecting with the tradition and giving them enough of fundamentals uh, and basic things to work on that uh, that bring their, yeah, I guess their fundamental skills uh, to, to get those to be stronger. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, I feel like I'm always kind of in this kind of give and take with students where I, I, I feel like the best way to reach them to start is through things that they're interested in. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I want them and, and then I can find my way in, you know, right, right. and play them some things they haven't heard before. And they say, Oh, I really love this. So-and-so record. This is really some of this great. And I say, great. And, and, and then you realize that the, one of the big influences on that person was Herbie, let's say yeah. you say, Oh, but do you have, you heard this Herbie record. And then, yeah. and then you can kind of go in and reach yeah. them and then, Oh, really? I hadn't heard that before. And, you know, and you can get into, get into learning the tradition but also helping them feel inspired and work on what they want to work on. Right. So that's, I, I think about those things a lot. And I, and I can tell you just specifically to be a piano geek for a minute. Yeah. One thing I'm working a lot on with my students now that no one really talked to me about, and I don't know, you'll have to tell me your experience, but I think maybe, you know, the younger people I grew up with who were just amazing, like the Kevin Hayes of the world and, Larry's I, I don't know that they had to think about it maybe they just did it because they they were listening and it made mm -hmm. sense but no one ever really talked to me um I like to talk to students about the what they're playing and the how they're playing so 
the what is all the information that they're working on that they need to know what's in accord what lines do i play what you know what the what the 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 information specific things that they that they're trying to get to but then there's the how do they play all that mm-hmm. and i find that the how is equally if not more important yeah, absolutely. than the what so one of the hows that no one ever addressed with me as a pianist when i was growing up was articulation mm-hmm. and and not just touch but articulation and accents and the things that that give those records when you're listening to somebody's feel and their sound what bring it to life mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. that that stuff and i i i find myself trying you know they have to listen of course the students yeah. the primary tool is the records and I don't use a lot of books and I don't use, but I, I only use things that I feel like I've learned from records or real players mm-hmm. and, and, and pass those on. And I make them listen, of course, and do a lot of singing and a lot of, 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 of singing the articulation. If they're going to sing a melody, how are you going to articulate it? Mm-hmm. You know, or are you just playing da, 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 right. da, 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 what's there? <laughs> so how are you going to, and then make them play it the way they're hearing, the way they're singing it and the way they're hearing it in their mm-hmm. head. A lot of that comes to understanding articulation. Where do mm-hmm. where do you accent things? Where do where where what's the touch? Is it detached? Is it is there separation between the notes? Is it more legato? Is it a combination of those things? So I have them doing a lot of that kind of work now, and no one no one really pointed that out to me until I realized once when I was in Oregon, I was playing a gig, and a great pianist came up to me and he said, "You know, you sound really good, but he said I don't know how you play." I forget what it was at the time. Maybe I was playing a lot of legato and mm-hmm. said, I don't know how mm-hmm. it is that you play everything legato. Everything's yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't, uh, to me, it's hard to swing that way. And after I got home and felt bad about it for a minute and was a little bit upset, I thought maybe this guy's right. Like, yeah. like maybe there's some, maybe I need to listen more to these people's touches and, and how they're articulating mm-hmm. what they're playing. Cause I, for me up till then, it was just, do I know voicings? Do I know lines? Do I understand right. harmony? All the what part. Right. I hadn't really spent any time on the how mm-hmm. other than just basic imitating records. But I think it was helpful for me to get a little deeper into trying to articulate, no pun intended, yeah, what yeah. The, what those specific things are and why they help the music feel the way it feels mm-hmm. in various players. So now I try to break that down little by little with my students as much for myself as for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm learning at the same time, but we'll sit and listen to a Hank Jones record and we'll say, okay, what, what, you know, where are the accents? How is, how is he getting it to, why do you like Wynton Kelly's feel? What is it mm-hmm. about Wynton Kelly that you love his feel? What about Keith Jarrett gives it that flowing, strong quality? What, you know, and, and we'll sit and actively listen Mm-hmm. And they'll sing. And if they ever write it out, then we'll write in the phrase markings and the accents and the articulation. Right. And it's all about those kind of how specifics. And I, all in the effort in the long run, I tell them so that you're not, if you're going to go to school, it feels like it makes sense to me to actually get a little geeky about all the stuff. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. of course, you can just go to sessions and play and listening to records is the most valuable thing you can ever do. But if we have the time, Let's articulate what it is mm-hmm. that we're going to work on and mm-hmm. how we're going to work on it. Mm-hmm. And so that you're not doing anything uh, that that you you address everything so that the way you play isn't out of a lack of knowledge or ignorance. Mm-hmm. You Your triplet feel is because you decided 
that this is the triplet feel that works for me at this tempo. This is what I want to play on this tune. It's mm-hmm. not because it's something you've never thought about and it just ends up being what it is, like it or not, good or bad. Uh, I, I feel like really kind of putting some thought into those things as you practice, mm-hmm. and especially these kids who are going to school for four years, right. is is a good is a good thing. And I always tell them, you know, when you're gigging, don't think about any of this. Yeah, just right, play. Sure, right. This is all sure. practice room head stuff, sure, you know. Right, when you sure. go play, listen to the records, play, enjoy yourself, and then go back and work specifically on these things. Mm-hmm. And that, and I, I'm spending a lot of time with kids on on and myself on those how aspects now, mm-hmm. and letting the what they play. Of course, we're working on that, but I find that that's in some ways easier to teach. Right. Right. Sure. You know, I have ways of teaching the the basic language, breaking down the language into its simple components, looking at a bird solo and say, well, what's he actually doing? And break down the language into a few simple things they can practice, write some solos, put it together for themselves, mm-hmm. play along with the masters, of course, and all of that. But you work on the concepts and then work on how you how you project those concepts. Why does it sing? Why does it swing? Why does it, you know, all these things. So that's kind of a lot of what I'm involving myself in my my headspace now. And of course, it's all this stuff that you you would all all this is the stuff you would already do, you know, and playing along with records, the transcribing part of it. All those things are, of course, you know probably exactly the way everyone else does it and te- right. teaching harmony and voice leading and, mm-hmm. and working on comping and all those things. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's always there, but I just think back and I think, wow, maybe, maybe it's because it's so hard to describe right. that people didn't really talk about it when I was in school that much. And now I'm trying to just make them aware of some of those details right. as, right. as at an early age, so that they're, they're actively thinking, okay, this is how I want this to sound. Yeah. It's awareness. You use the word awareness. It's about yeah, awareness. Aware, you know? Yeah. 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 I was lucky. My t- my first jazz teacher, I got a teacher in, in Atlanta where I'm from when I was about oh. 16. And uh, my teacher had been at Berkeley. His name is Ted Howe. He's still, he lives out in California now. Cool. Um, he, he actually had me, like when I learned a couple of bebop tunes, he actually had me write out the articulation for every note in the Man. song. You know? I think that's and, great. And that I think was that's great. That influence. Yeah, I still man. do that with my students now, you know. That's so and, great. Yeah. I mean, maybe more works. people do it than I thought. I mean, I mean, maybe it was just me. I I had, I mean, maybe I wasn't even ready for it. Maybe that's the reason they weren't doing it with me. I mean, I was yeah. just trying to learn the content sure, and know sure, sure. what was under my hands at all to, to right, even play. Right, so, right. you know, but but I I hadn't experienced too many people talking about this. So I'm glad to hear. I know another one who did, I saw him do a clinic recently, it was Reggie Thomas. Uh-huh. Yeah, and as he's teaching oh, yeah, and I know he teaches at Birch Creek in Wisconsin over the summer. I can't remember which school he's affiliated with now. Great player. And and he talks a lot of, with, about his students. And he even has names for the different kinds of articulation you can oh, use. Really? Wow. Shuffle articulation or this articulation. Mm-hmm. And and really gets behind that stuff we're talking about. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I find all that fascinating now. Ways yeah. to describe to kids how to practice this simple. And ultimately, they have to go to the records. But if you can at least begin to describe how to do it, it's... It's helpful. Yeah, Art talked about this when I was with him a few months ago. He talked cool. about this thing about articulation. Some, you know, 
Wow, I'd love to hear what he has to say about it. Yeah, too. just talk. Well, I just I only played for him very briefly. I don't. I didn't. Yeah. You know, I was playing a new tune that I'd written. I didn't really know it that well yet. I don't know why yeah. I picked that tune. I should have picked something I knew really well. But oh. he just said. But he just said, you know, think about, you know, don't think about varying your articulation. Don't always play legato. I mean, try some yeah. staccato. Yeah. Let yeah. Your, let your right hand move your left hand out of the way. Let your left hand right hand venture down into the lower part of the piano. And yeah, and yeah. Try these. He calls them leaps, where you leap from one register to another. And yeah yeah things like that you know yeah very practical th things really you know i think that's basically what someone had told that guy had told me when he when i was on that gig and he came up to me and said you know you sound good but mm -hmm. i think it was mostly that i, I was mostly using one kind of sound one right. kind of articulation right. and then you you realize when you listen to winton kelly or barry harris or somebody like that that they're 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 breaking it up according to what the music needs at the time. Exactly. Some, some broken notes, you know, and, and some legato notes and some, and all of that contributes to the, the life and the feel of, of the notes that you're playing. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I hadn't really, yeah, I was sort sort of unaware. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, I'm really glad that someone taught me that <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. or just made me aware of yeah, it, sure, you know, made you aware of it. Sure. And Hey, you know, you don't seem to be doing this. That's it's, I'm never able to make that work. And I was so glad because that was, you know, unsolicited, yeah. just comment from a, a, a good pianist that, that I'm so glad the person didn't just come up and shake my hand and say, sounds good and walk away. You know, yeah, like, right, right. they actually took a second to, to question me about something. And I, I, it, it changed my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah. I, I love that dialogue with, with our peers and, you know, yeah, being open enough if, you, if we're into it to, to share and find yeah. out things like that. So yeah. that fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, this has been just great. It's a great conversation. I really enjoyed yeah, Keith. This, talking with you. You know, I hope we have an ongoing conversation, you know, we will, I'm sure. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah That's really great. So is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up today? No, I'm, I really appreciate your having me. You know, yeah, I, I don't know how many people follow my my progress or my I'm thinking to myself when we were first going to do this, who's going to listen to <laughs> who's yeah. going to want to listen to me talk about stuff. But my I've just, you know, for me, like like we've talked about it, I just uh, I've I kind of love the journey. I've loved the journey so Absolutely. far. And I, I just I'm I'm continually looking forward to the next gig and, and next teaching experience and what I'm going to learn from it. Yeah. And I'm still actively checking out all of my peers yeah. and, and, and classic records. And I, I'm, it's nothing better, you know, figuring out a new chord or a new way of playing on a set of changes or a new record that I hadn't heard. It still continues to inspire. Yeah, like absolutely. I, I am not at a loss for something to do ever. I, as busy as I am, I, I'm thrilled with, with uh, the, the joy that, that learning the, this music brings and the tradition of it all and the, yeah. And the stories and the interacting with the few master, you know, some of these guys who played with Miles, it's, it's our last chance to really, right. you know, right. to to interact and ask questions and and appreciate, you know. And I, it's 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 been an amazing an amazing process. I I keep telling my students, you really couldn't have picked something better to do with your life if you yeah. want to learn about you know, Im improvisation is, is life, you know? Right, exactly. So you want to learn, learn how to be in the moment. You couldn't have picked a better thing to work on than jazz because yeah. you can't do it. Well, all this stuff aside that we're talking about all the, right. the nitty gritty of learning it, you can't do the actual deed mm -hmm. without being in the moment and Absolutely. being with people and being, and that's what I love about life too. It's the same, that, that journey. So I feel like each one is teaching me something every day and it's, 
still as inspiring as it was when I was 20. So yeah. I have, that's, you know, and meeting and meeting people like you, you know, great yeah. players who, who want to talk about it and we're just going to keep sharing and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, it doesn't get better. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. You're right. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. So yeah. I appreciate that you're doing this, man. And all the great players. Sounds like you had some amazing people you're talking to. So yeah, it's what a what a nice resource for 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 all of us. I'll go back and listen to them all, you know. Yeah, it's it's inspiring. Yeah. yeah. Really I still go go in a lot of to a lot of, a lot of online master classes too. Oh yeah. I need still to do pick, more. There's of that, some man. some nice jazz websites that have uh great players giving their insight into here's how I practice with a metronome or Here's how I think about chord changes. Like, oh yeah, I'd kind of like to know, you know, honestly, I, yeah, something, yeah. something to be gained for my teaching and for my playing. I'm constantly investigating these sites and different masterclass options. And mm -hmm. I, I consider myself a perpetual, a, a continual student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you again. It's been great having you here. The great Gary Versace. Thank you, and Keith. It's my pleasure to have you. And I look forward to more conversations. Likewise, my pleasure. All right. Thanks for checking out Notes on Jazz. If you want to communicate with me, I offer free consultations. Just check the podcast notes for a link. You can also find a link to my website for CDs, downloads, and videos. See you next time at Notes on Jazz. Notes on Jazz.